This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process and streamline your entire used vehicle management process. Visit Recontract.com to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to this weekend drive edition of Daily Drive for the first week in March 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, executive editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today, we're breaking down some of the biggest stories in the auto industry from the past week and looking forward to what's in store in days ahead. Today on the show, we'll look at some of the big developments in the world of automotive artificial intelligence. We've talked many times over the years about Silicon Valley partnering with Detroit. You know, is Silicon Valley taking over Detroit, et cetera? Like that geographic relationship is manifested itself in many ways or, or not. So maybe this is one small glimpse of what's ahead. That's coming up in a few. But first, Jamie, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, Kel. How about you? Doing all right, man. So we talked this week about the Apple car getting scrapped. You said our own Pete Bigelow on the podcast Shift talked to Larry Burns a week ago and said, in more words than less, that automakers and tech companies should be partnering more in these EV projects. Life isn't lived in the transportation sector, the housing sector, the communication sector, or the information sector. Life is lived with the integration of those things. And that's really what I think we have to grasp going forward. You and I now off air have talked about this for at least the last two years now extensively. Does it come down to not wanting to share data? Why does it feel like the industry would be so much further ahead if these tech companies took the, I guess, Honda Sony approach. Yeah, I think you're right. I think data is a big part of it. Uh, it's been a battle for years, um, really a couple of decades between the automakers and the tech companies they do partner with. You know, who's going to own the data? Who's going to get access to it? I don't know why they can't just share it, but it apparently doesn't work that way. You know, the Sony Honda thing is interesting. We were talking about that as sort of the one that sort of fits the mold, but really, you know, Sony's more of an entertainment company than a tech company. They're certainly not in the that digital space like a Google or Amazon or something. So pretty interesting. I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of value in bringing the both sides together, uh, but they just won't do it. It's data. I also think it's ego. I think ego is a big part of it. You know, Apple and Tesla might have wanted to work together. I think uh, Elon Musk had said at the time he'd be willing to merge with Apple, but he'd want to be the CEO of the whole company. Uh, so there's a uh, big egos at play uh, all around. Yeah, egos never good. Uh, U.S. auto dealers, Jamie, are concerned about the partnership between Hyundai Motor and Amazon. Some believe that it will affect the car buying experience. Many also wonder whether it will move the industry toward a Tesla-like sales model. Technology and just the consumer buying experience have changed so much. The industry had to know we would eventually reach this crossroads, right? Yeah, I think they I think they know that, um, you know, digital sales are part of the auto industry already and are going to be a bigger part, but they're really reluctant to let go. Right. They've been very successful for a long time controlling this process. Even when people complain about it, they still make money. 
They don't want to do anything that risks that money flow. But selling more efficiently, learning how to do it well, uh, makes a lot of sense. You know, Amazon is pretty experienced at this whole digital retail thing. So you'd think if anyone could figure out how to handle the complexities of selling an auto online, it might be them. And we know that there are consumers who really prefer that type of experience. You're right. I mean, myself, like, for instance, when I bought my Tesla, you know, it was probably the most seamless, easiest and fastest car buying experience I've ever had in my life. And now I'm in a position where I'm like, I tell my wife, I'm like, I don't think I'll be able to buy a car any other way. And then on the other side, I talked to a friend of mine about a week ago who I'm not going to say the, the automaker, but he was going to go with his wife to buy a new luxury EV for their family. And he said it was one of the worst car buying experiences that he ever had that he left. And he told me, he goes, Kel, he goes, I walked into that place intending to spend money and it was so bad. It essentially drove me out. Wow. That's a, that's a terrible experience. Um, folks have had that. And I think, you know, the smarter dealers, they're learning to treat people better, treat their time better when they're in the store, but also use their time better when they're out of the store and they're shopping online and doing their research, try to get them farther down the funnel and make it an easy, smooth handoff, you know, what like they call omni-channel, right? So you can shop wherever right. you want, when you want, and get the car you want. Right. Also, Jamie, uh, we spoke this week about the Biden administration says it will investigate the national security risk posed by connected vehicles that use technology from China or other foreign adversaries. So it sounds like the U.S. government knows at some point Chinese automakers will enter the U.S. market with companies like BYD in Mexico, but not exporting to the U.S., well, at least not right now. Do you think this is the perfect time to start that preparation? Yeah, it makes sense. You want to get it going before somebody's really uh, coming into the market or trying to, you know, sign up dealers and get things really happening. You know, I think, to be honest, it's probably kind of a political move, maybe thinking that BYD was about to build this plant in Mexico and not knowing they were just about to say, we're not coming to the U.S. <laughs> it's too politically complicated. But, you know, they want to have that ability to arm themselves with, a, you know, a defensive weapon, so to speak, to keep the Chinese out if they feel they need to. Uh, you see the same thing in China, the way they've uh, limited where Teslas can drive. Uh, there have been a, you know, some steps with them, worried about the cars collecting information about what's happening in China. It's probably just a matter of time before someone in the U.S. would turn around with the same kind of uh, accusation or defensive posture. So this is kind of interesting. Maybe in, uh, in hindsight, the Biden political team might have preferred to hold on to it for a little later since the BYD threat appears to be not quite so imminent. But it certainly makes sense to get the ball rolling. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, coming up. There have been a number of developments in recent days related to the use of AI in cars and trucks of the future. Our own Pete Bigelow joins the show to talk about that next on Weekend Drive. We want to hear your voice on Daily Drive. What would you like us to talk about this week on our Weekend Drive episode of the show? What are some of the biggest industry trends or news stories you're thinking about? Send us a voicemail, text, or email, and you might hear it on the next edition of Weekend Drive. Here's how you can get in touch. Call us and leave a voicemail or text at 313-444-2774. 
Again, that's 313-444-2774. You can also record your voice on your smartphone and send it to dailydrive at autonews.com. That's dailydrive, one word, at autonews.com. And tune into the show this weekend. You might hear your question or comment. Managing your used inventory is not exclusive to one person or one part of the dealership. What does the communication look like between your fixed ops and variable teams? Are your vehicles getting passed from trade-in to recon with no hiccups? What is your average cycle time to get a used car ready for sale? There is a lot to keep track of all at once. Right now, you could be experiencing three major issues with your recon information causing process breakdowns. One, having to manually track down data. Two, outdated information giving you an incorrect picture of the market and process. Three, no recon visibility through the appraisal. Full insight at each step is crucial to making your used car department the most efficient and profitable it can be. Our new integration between ReconTrack and AutoVision, a vehicle acquisition market analysis platform, creates an end-to-end tool for your used car department to address these bottlenecks. With access to live appraisal information and reconditioning stats, you get a single view of every vehicle with all the data you need right in one place. Make more educated decisions on your used car inventory faster with all your data in one place. Visit info.recontract.com slash autovision for more information. That's info.recontrac.com slash A-U-T-O-V-I-S-I-O-N. Welcome back to Weekend Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Artificial intelligence is no longer a sci-fi sounding concept far off in the distance. It's already playing a major role in all corners of the auto industry. Earlier this week on Daily Drive, we talked about a couple of big stories related to this evolving relationship between AI and autos. Microsoft is teaming up with Bosch to use generative AI to make cars and trucks safer. And there are new government efforts to make sure the systems themselves don't pose threats to drivers and their information. Pete Bigelow leads our tech and innovation team here at Automotive News and hosts Shift, a podcast about mobility. He joins me now to talk about what's changing in the world of automotive AI. Pete Bigelow, welcome back to The Weekend Drive. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be here. Great to have you here, you know, especially because there's been a lot of news lately about AI. Uh, Let's start with a story that you wrote about an effort to keep an eye on AI in transportation. What's going on? That's right, Jamie. There's a new research group within the Department of Transportation. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's called the Highly Automated System Safety Center of Excellence. I'll call it the Haas Center for short here. That's much better. Uh, Thank you. It's it's hard to write in the story this week, but uh, they've been looking at this problem of assuring that AI makes the right decisions. It's usually not a big deal if AI comes up with something a little wonky for your Netflix uh, recommendation, but in a safety critical field like transportation, they need to make sure that it's right 100% of the time. So they're starting to look at ways to do that. And it sounded like part of the problem is that when AI makes a decision, it's not always really transparent how it does so, uh, which can then lead to some real questions when maybe something goes wrong. No, it's probably the opposite of transparent when you're talking about machine learning, typically called the black box. You can put in the the inputs or data, 
and the algorithm spit out a conclusion or output. But if you want to understand how it came up with what it did, that's difficult, if not flat out impossible uh, in, in all these applications, which, which makes this problem here in transportation uh, really thorny, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So is the idea that this center of excellence will be effectively writing rules for how AI can be used in vehicles? I wouldn't say writing rules. So they're looking at AI across the transportation spectrum, first and foremost, not just in automotive, but in aviation, rail, et cetera. And they want to come up with kind of a list of best practices across modes. As far as the rule aspect of that, right now they're kind of trying to understand this, maybe find some best practices and benchmarks. Those eventually could be bridged rules down the road. Uh, but right now, this is not a regulatory effort in any way. Well, if there are going to be rules someday, I, I like the idea that they come out of a group of actual experts studying what works best. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is this uh, Haas Center is relatively new. It was mandated by Congress in 2020. And they've really just kind of stepped up the hiring for the office within the last year. I think they've hired the bulk of these 17 people who are aboard in 2023, but they come from across industry. They come from places like Boeing and Toyota, and A, they're spitting those best practices and learnings back to industry in terms of sounding boards helping to kind of coalesce academia, industry, and government right now. So, But a lot of the people who are actually working now for the federal government in the Haas Center are coming from industry and have been leaders in the AI field in particular. Of course, there have been a lot of other stories. Uh, we saw one about Bosch and Microsoft forming a, a new partnership. What's that about? Yeah, they want to use generative AI to see how they can improve roadway safety. And right now, it seems like their efforts are focused on helping vehicles better identify hazards. You know, the example they gave is a plastic bag blowing across the road, a, a plastic bag or something you can hit, something you can't hit helping to better identify those scenarios. So they're starting to collaborate on that and see how generative AI can can be of use. It's pretty important whether it's a plastic bag or a boulder. It, Very well, it is. And that's, <laughs> that's been one of those scenarios that uh, has been difficult for autonomous vehicles or driver assistance systems to to really, you know, navigate right now. And, you know, the more difficult ones probably, you know, it's nighttime, you're on the highway, the sense cameras or LIDAR are looking 400 meters down the road. And is that thing that you're starting to barely look out, barely see and, uh, you know, identify, is that a tire on the road? Is that, uh, you know, just a manhole cover? What is that that's far down the road? So mm -hmm. I, I see the more nuanced applications of this that might be forthcoming as well. You know, Kel and I have been talking a lot lately about relative lack of deep partnerships between tech companies and automakers. Bosch isn't an automaker, they're a supplier, and of course, much more than that. That seems like a really interesting pairing, trying to bring their strengths together. I mean, because it, it comes up for us in terms of, we keep harking back actually to your conversation with uh, Larry Burns about the automakers don't really have the deep tech background and all those problem solvings that go with that world. And the tech companies don't have the experience making vehicles that travel 50 or 100 miles an hour with humans inside. And you really need to bring those strengths together. And then we see, you know, Apple trying to go on their own and having to, you know, wasting hundreds and millions, if not billions of dollars before killing their auto program. 
uh, we see all these these struggles that both types of companies have within their silos. And if they can work together, maybe they can solve the problems faster. Yeah, Jamie, I think you're right about that. And I think this Bosch and Microsoft uh, collaboration right now is, is maybe one you know, very fledgling effort that that speaks to how traditional automotive companies, be they major suppliers or OEMs, can work together with tech companies in a meaningful way. To your point, Apple never really found that vehicle suitor that we know of, at least. You know, I, there's been a lot of speculation over the years who their contract manufacturer would be. Mm. But I think that, you know, it's probably too early to say really for this Microsoft uh, Bosch effort. But But yes, I think the more these two sides work together, and we've talked many times over the years about Silicon Valley partnering with Detroit, you know, is Silicon Valley taking over Detroit, et cetera. Like <laughs> that geographic relationship has uh, manifested itself in many ways or, or not. So maybe this is one small glimpse of what's ahead. So uh, we also have heard a lot of talk in recent years, and especially uh, this year at, at, at CES, a lot of talk about software-defined vehicles. That seems like a ballpark where AI is going to play. It definitely does, especially as automakers look to customize their offerings for custom, for drivers uh, to offer more customization and personalization within the cabin space. Uh, that's, this seems like the first real widespread wave of artificial intelligence in the car, more so than the you know, autonomous driving side of AI, where, where machine learning has played a, a role in the deployments that we've seen so far. But as far as regular old passenger vehicles go, uh, I, I think this is where you, know, you can offer features that get upgraded over time, which we've seen from Tesla, frankly, for, for a while now. But I think automakers are figuring out what they need to change within the guts of the vehicle to enable this era. And I think that's one one story we've seen this week uh, that was in automotive news uh, with the guest commentary we had from Matthew Borch from Keysight Technologies. And one thing I wonder out of that, it seems like these software defined vehicles are going to have some unique data needs. Is that right? Yeah, it's, this is definitely not the old school data bus that I think OEMs are accustomed to to putting in vehicles, but uh, there's a lot of high-speed networking needs that enable this. And so it this kind of fundamentally goes into that changing architecture of the vehicle, not just for electrification, but now for the customization of the, the cabin that, you know, has chat GPT, as we see with the Volkswagen innovations in recent months, uh, and those sorts of things coming throughout the infotainment area uh, and, and the vehicle itself. And then there was this other uh, more contrarian study, uh, it seemed like, you know, it said, actually, most mobility companies aren't really using AI in a very meaningful way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. There's a McKinsey study uh, out this week that found that only 14% of mobility companies uh, use AI in a meaningful way. And uh, I think that was about 470 companies of the 3,500 that McKinsey surveyed. So Apparently, there's a lot of ground to to still cover. If you want to be an optimist, that's that's what's still ahead is the the remaining eighty six percent. So, is the idea that they're using the AI the the fourteen percent are actually using it to do transportation related work, to do mobility work, and maybe the others are still just using it to help draft memos? <laughs> yeah, you know, McKinsey they split it into. They're really looking at applied artificial intelligence, not the generative side. Mm. Um, so 
an example of what they're looking at is how BMW has used AI to do quality checks in the factory, for one example. Mm -hmm. That's what this is looking at, looking at how they are using AI in engineering and research and development, manufacturing, et cetera, but not the other side that we just talked about yet with the generative uh, cabin advances. Yeah, that's helpful to, to know. Well, Pete, thank you so much for sharing your human intelligence on this week's show. Great to have you. Thanks, Jamie. Always a pleasure to be here. And if you're interested in hearing more about the latest trends in automotive tech and innovation, be sure to check out Pete's show, Shift, a podcast about mobility, wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for this Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on artificial intelligence, Chinese auto companies, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the show and the topics we covered today. Send us an email at dailydrive at autonews.com or leave us a voicemail at 313-444-2774. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.